Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSight News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. You can view the live stream on Facebook at Mother Miriam Live. Now, here's Mother Miriam. Good morning, beloved. I pray that you're well. How are you doing? This is the Feast of the Epiphany. It's a beautiful, beautiful um, feast and a beautiful celebration, which began, I know, in many of the Novus Ordo churches. It's moved till Sunday. That's such a grievous situation to move all major feasts to Sunday. Um, and we no longer know our faith. Many people go to church on Sunday and they don't even know what's happening. It's just Sunday. Um, we began the celebration of, um, let me see, where did that go? We began the celebration of uh, Epiphany last night, um, which is called the 12th night. It's the 12th night of Christmas and the eve of the Epiphany. Um It's known as the Twelfth Night, or one word, Twelfth Night. It begins the celebration of Christ revealing his divinity in three ways, which is formally celebrated today. Number one, to the Magi, who, guided by the great and mysterious star of Bethlehem, came to visit the child Christ when he was a baby, Matthew chapter 2. And then secondly, um... It reveals our Lord's divinity through his baptism by St. John when the Spirit of God descending as a dove came upon him and there was heard a voice from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I'm well pleased. Matthew chapter 3, Mark 1, Luke 3, John 1. And all three persons of the Most Holy Trinity were manifest. And thirdly, our Lord reveals his divinity through his first public miracle, that of the wedding of Cana, when our Lord turned water into wine at the request of his mother, just as God's God's first miracle before the Egyptian Pharaoh through Moses was turning the waters of the Nile into blood. Our Lord's first miracle was turning water into wine. So Epiphany speaks of those three feasts, which are believed to occur on the same day in uh, different years, of course. Um, In many Catholic homes, especially Italian ones, it is not Christmas Day that is for giving presents to children, but the Feast of Epiphany, when the gifts are given in a way related to the Magi. So today, we'll have a a feel of Christmas Eve, And because of the Epiphany's association with the Magi's gift-giving, tomorrow is, excuse me, often, tomorrow is often referred to colloquially as Little Christmas. I'm so sorry I hiccuped right into the microphone. I don't have sugar with me, so I can't get rid of them right away. It is today that the three kings should reach the creche here to four, they should be kept away from it. And that baby Jesus should be adorned with signs of royalty, such as a crown, ermine, and gold, or purple cloth, set up golden candlesticks around the manger where he lies. 
I'm reading from fisheaters.com. Beloved, if you ever want to know the meaning of the Catholic faith, all the traditions, and the practice thereof, Fish Eaters is the most wonderful place to begin. Um, One word, fisheaters.com. And uh, Fish Eaters says, along with the crown, scepters, gold, and royal purple, peacocks... are also a symbol for the day. They're more generally a symbol of immortality and therefore a good symbol for Easter as well, but also a symbol of royalty and of the glory revealed by Christ today. The most profound symbols of all, though, are light as a symbol of theophany. Theophany is a presence of the presence of God. Wine in memory of the miracle at the wedding in Cana, water in the dove in memory of Christ's baptism by St. John, the three kings, their gifts, and the star of Bethlehem. Typified in the Old Testament by the queen of Saba or Sheba, who entered Jerusalem with a great train and riches and camels that carried spices, this is in uh, Second Kings, and an immense quantity of gold and precious stones in order to ascertain King Solomon's greatness, actually First Kings, the three magi entered Jerusalem bearing gold, frankincense, and myrrh for the newborn king. The fathers, the church fathers, see in their gifts omens of Christ's life, the gold as a sign of his kingship. The gifts of gold and frankincense were both prophesied by Isaiah in the sixth chapter of his book, The frankincense is a gum resin, a dried tree sap, from the Boswellia tree, native to Somalia and southern coastal Arabia, as a sign of his deity, mixed with stacte and onica and sweet galbanum. It was used by Moses to set up before the tabernacle as an offering to God and was considered so holy to the Lord that it was forbidden to use profanely, Numbers chapter 30. And finally, the myrrh, a brownish gum resin from the Camaphora abyssinica tree, um, native to eastern Africa and Arabia, and used in embalming as a sign of our Lord's death. Mirth, along with cinnamon and cassias, was used by Moses to anoint the tabernacle of the testimony and the Ark of the Testament. In Numbers 30, it has uh, analgesic properties also and was offered mixed with wine to Christ on the cross, which he refused. Mark chapter 15, Nicodemus brought myrrh to anoint our Lord's body after death. John chapter 19. There's a golden legend legend written in A.D. 1275 by Jacobus, a Devorgian, Archbishop of Genoa, and he describes the gifts as thus. By these three be signified things that be in Jesu Christ, the precious deity, the soul full of holiness, and the entire flesh all pure and without corruption. And these three things be signified that were in the ark of Moses, the rod which flourished, that was the flesh of Jesus Christ that rose from death to life, the tables wherein the commandments were written, 
that is the soul, where be all the treasures of sapience and science of Godhead. The manna signifieth the Godhead, which hath all sweetness and of suavity. By the gold, which is most precious of all metals, is understood the deity. By the incense, the soul right devout. For the incense signifieth devotion and arisen. By the myrrh, which preserveth from corruption, is understood the flesh, which was without corruption. I want to um, switch now, hold on just a moment, and read to you, um, I have to see where it is, I want to read to you, hold on now, where did I put it, um, a, uh, a sermon um, on Epiphany by St. Leo the Great. And if you want to know, dear ones, how to celebrate um, Epiphany, uh, today is the day uh, we in our uh, Latin parish here in Tyler. Yesterday, uh, the priest blessed holy water and exercise, gave us exercised holy water, and and the same with exercised salt, uh, in preparation for today. And so many churches distribute exercised water and salt and even incense today. And if you want to know, if a priest is not available and you wish to know how to bless your house with the exercised water and the incense and the top of your doors, uh, all of that, you can go to fisheaters.com and the entire um, um, process, the entire celebration is uh, all the rubrics is printed out and the father of the house could do it without a priest. St. Pope Leo the Great wrote this, The Epiphany, a necessary sequel to the Nativity. After celebrating but lately the day on which immaculate virginity brought forth the Savior of mankind, the venerable feast of the Epiphany, dearly beloved, gives us continuance of joy that the force of our exaltation and the fervor of our faith may not grow cool in the midst of neighboring and kindred mysteries, for it concerns all men's salvation, that the infancy of the mediator between God and men was already manifested to the whole world while he was still detained in the tiny town. For although he had chosen the Israelitish nation and one family out of that nation from whom to assume the nature of all mankind, yet he was unwilling that the early days of his birth should be concealed within the narrow limits of his mother's home, but desired to be soon recognized by all, seeing that he deigned to be born for all. There's the music, dear ones, for our first break. Um, we will um, return after this break and continue with the reading by Pope Leo the Great. And then um, following the second break, we'll take your calls, your texts, your emails, and be with you with open phone lines for the entire second half hour. And our toll-free number, if you'd like to get on the line early, is one 511 5483 You may text at that number as well or email at mother at thestationofthecross.com. We'll be right back.
The Station of the Cross thanks our supporters who have enabled us to broadcast Catholic programs for more than 20 years. As a nonprofit lay organization financially independent from your diocese, our apostolate is listener-supported. Through your generosity, we are able to inspire countless listeners with the gospel message and help lead them to a parish to be spiritually nourished by the sacraments. Thank you for your continued support, and may God bless you and your family. Here at the Station of the Cross, we proudly bring the truths of the Catholic faith to countless listeners through radio and mobile devices, and we're grateful for the feedback we've received. Catholic radio has just been a lifesaver for me. I start my day with it. I listen to it all day long as much as I can. There's always people calling in with people who've lost children, and I love everyone has to say and the advice of the Catholic Church and how to deal with suffering. It has given me the strength to get through the day and to get out of bed each morning. I am very grateful for it. Catholic Radio to me has been very informative on my religion. It has informed me of many things that I wasn't aware of or should have been aware of, and I've enjoyed it very much listening to it. If you've been blessed by listening to the Station of the Cross, let us know. Call 1-877-888-6279, extension 112, then share your testimonial with us. This is Jesuit Father Robert McTague, your daily host of The Catholic Current. Join me on Friday at 5 p.m. Eastern for another round of Let's Talk About This. When you and I walk through a controversial issue together, we'll be talking about faith and reason. Some say that if you have one, you don't need the other. Some say that they cancel each other out. Find out who's right and who's wrong on The Catholic Current on Friday at 5 p.m. Eastern, coming to you from the Station of the Cross and the iCatholic Radio mobile app. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, beloved, to Mother Miriam Live. We are thrilled to be with you on this Feast of the Epiphany, which is not on Sunday, although uh, many have moved it to Sunday, but it is today. And last night was the 12th night of Christmas, and the Eve of the Epiphany is a most great celebration, which we have mentioned earlier from the site of fisheaters.com. Uh, is known as a little Christmas, and many people don't do not give gifts on Christmas because it is the gift of God who has given us His Son. But follow the uh, wise men in giving gifts to the child Jesus and to one another on the feast of the Epiphany. Continue reading from the sermon of Pope Leo the Great. He says the wise men from the East are typical fulfillments of God's promise to Abraham. <clears throat> Now the manifestation of this unspeakable mercy, dear, dearly beloved, came to pass when Herod held the royal power in Judea, where the legitimate succession of kings having failed and the power of the high priests having been overthrown, an alien born had gained the sovereignty that the rising of the true king might be attested by the voice of prophecy, which had said, a prince shall not fail from Judah, nor a leader from his loins, until he come for whom it is reserved, and he shall be the expectation of the nations. 
doesn't say here, but that's Genesis chapter 49, verse 10. I know it well. That verse is the hope of the Jewish people for the Messiah. Pope Leo continues, concerning which an innumerable succession was once promised to the most blessed patriarch Abraham to be begotten not by fleshly seed, but by fertile faith. And therefore it was compared to the stars in multitude that as father of all nations, he might hope not for an earthly, but for a heavenly progeny. And therefore, for the creating of the promised posterity, the heirs designated under the figure of the stars are awakened by the rising of a new star, that the ministrations of the heaven, the ministrations of the heaven might do service in that wherein the witness of the heaven had been adduced. A star more brilliant than any other stars arouses wise men that dwell in the far east from the brightness of the wondrous light these men, not unskilled in observing such things, appreciate the importance of the sign, this doubtless being brought about in their hearts by divine inspiration, in order that the mystery of so great a sight might not be hid from them, and what was an unusual appearance to their eyes might not be obscure to their minds. In a word, they scrupulously set about their duty and provide themselves with such gifts that in worshiping the one, they may at the same time show their belief in his threefold function. With gold, they honor the person of a king. With myrrh, that of man. With incense, that of God. <clears throat> the perseverance of the Magi has led to the most important results. Led then, dearly beloved, into Bethlehem by obeying the guidance of the star, the wise men rejoiced with very great joy, as the evangelist has told us, and entering the house found the child with Mary, his mother, and falling down they worshipped him, and opening their treasures they presented to him gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. What wondrous faith of perfect knowledge, which was taught them not by earthly wisdom, but by the instruction of the Holy Spirit. Whence it came that these men, who had quitted their country without having seen Jesus and had not noticed anything in his looks to enforce such a systematic adoration, observed this method in offering their gifts, unless it were that besides the appearance of the star, which attracted their bodily eyes, the more refulgent rays of truth taught their hearts, that before they started on their toilsome road, they must understand that he was signified to whom was owed in gold royal honor, in incense, divine adoration, in myrrh, the acknowledgement of mortality. Such a belief and understanding, no doubt, as far as the enlightenment of their faith went, might have been sufficient in themselves and have prevented their using their bodily eyes in inquiring into that which they had beheld with their minds' fullest gaze. But their sagacious <clears throat> diligence persevering till they found the child did good service for future peoples and for the men of our own time so that as it profited us all that the apostle thomas after the lord's resurrection handled the traces of the wounds in his flesh so it was 
of advantage to us that his infancy should be attested by the visit of the wise men. And so the wise men saw and adored the child of the tribe of Judah, of the seed of David according to the flesh, made from a woman, made under the law, which he had come not to destroy, but to fulfill. They saw and adored the child, small in size, powerless to help others, incapable of speech, and in naught different to the generality of human children, because as the testimonies were trustworthy, which asserted in him the majesty of invisible Godhead, so it ought to be impossible to doubt that the word became flesh, and the eternal essence of the Son of God took man's true nature, lest either the inexpressible marvels of his acts, which were to follow, or the infliction of sufferings which he had to bear should overthrow the mystery of our faith by their inconsistency, seeing that no one at all can be justified save those who believe the Lord Jesus to be both true God and true man. The story of the Magi is not only a bygone fact in history, but of everyday application to ourselves the day, dearly beloved, on which Christ, the Savior of the world, first appeared to the nations, must be venerated by us with holy worship. And today, those joys must be entertained in our hearts, which existed in the breasts of the three magi, when aroused by the sign and leading of a new star, which that day, I'm sorry, new star which they believed to have been promised, They fell down in presence of a king of heaven and earth. For that day has not so passed away that the mighty work which was then revealed has passed away with it, and that nothing but the report of the thing has come down to us for faith to receive and memory to celebrate. Seeing that by the oft-repeated gift of God, our times daily enjoy the fruit of what properly records those days, I'm sorry, I'm skipping a line here reading this. Um, Our times daily enjoy the fruit of what the first age possessed. And therefore, although the narrative which is read to us from the gospel properly records those days on which the three men who had neither been taught by the prophets, predictions, nor instructed by the testimony of the law, came to acknowledge God from the furthest parts of the East. Yet we behold this same thing more clearly and abundantly carried on now in the enlightenment of all those who are called since the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled when he says, the Lord has laid bare his holy arm in the sight of all the nations and all the nations upon earth have seen the salvation which is from the Lord our God. And again, Isaiah says, and those to whom it has not been announced about him shall see, and they who have not heard shall understand. Hence, last paragraph from Pope Leo the Great, hence, when we see man devoted to worldly wisdom and far from belief in Jesus Christ, brought out of the depth of their error and called to an acknowledgement of the true light, It is undoubtedly the brightness of the divine grace that is at work. 
and whatever of new light illumines the darkness of their hearts comes from the rays of the same star, so that it should both move and with wonder and going before lead to the adoration of God the minds which it visited with its splendor. But if with careful thought we wish to see how their threefold kind of gift is also offered by all who come to Christ with the foot of faith, is not the same offering repeated in the hearts of true believers? For he that acknowledges Christ, the King of the universe, brings gold from the treasure of his heart. He that believes the only begotten of God to have united man's true nature to himself offers myrrh, and he that confesses him in no wise inferior to the Father's majesty worships him in a manner with incense. How beautiful, beloved, our popes of yesteryear and church fathers, how beautifully they write, how deeply they truly loved Christ. Um, And the more we understand, the more we practice our faith, the more we too will love him. So I would urge you to go to fisheaters.com and you can read first uh, the article that precedes it, The Twelfth Night, and then read uh, The Feast of the Epiphany. Truly, truly, in fact, right, truly, truly, read the Twelfth Night first, and then it'll lead you to the Feast of the Epiphany, and the Twelfth Night is the vigil, the eve of the Epiphany. Um, It's so beautiful to read. They give you a recipe for Epiphany cake and all kinds of things you can do with your family and children that they could truly grow, truly, truly grow as, as Catholics who know their faith and who love their faith and who are um, at home in all the ceremonies and feasts and customs and their, what they look forward to. Like, I looked forward to the Feast of Purim and Pesach and all that growing up in my Jewish home. We, we didn't, oh, do we have to do this? Do we have to read this? Do we have to sit for this? Do we have to dress like this? Never. We were excited. We were God's people. It was our holy day. We, we, were, we, we loved it. That's the way Catholics should be, because we are the people of God. We are the people of God fulfilled in Israel's Messiah, Jew and Gentile, brought into one, the people of God. And we should know our heritage, we should know our truth, we should know our feasts, and we should enter into them um, with our children and let them grow up understanding who God is. And the family on earth, in purgatory, and in heaven that he's given us. There's the music for our second break, beloved. When we come back, we'll have an entire half hour all to ourselves. Our lines are open, and the toll-free number is one 511 5483 or email at mother at thestationofthecross.com, and we'll be right back.
This is Franciscan Media's Saint of the Day for January 6th. Today we celebrate Saint Andre Bisset. The early life of Andre Bisset hardly suggested he would do great things with his life. His body was frail and weak from the moment of his birth in 1845 in rural Quebec. His education was limited and unspectacular. His attempts to find a trade were unsuccessful. But God had great plans for him. He spent 70 years living a simple life of goodness and compassion as Brother Andre, a member of the Congregation of Holy Cross. Forty of those years were spent serving as doorkeeper at Notre Dame College in Montreal. His special love of and confidence in St. Joseph prompted Brother Andre to recommend devotion to the saint, particularly for the sick. Thousands began flocking to Brother Andre, who developed amazing healing powers of his own. In 1904, a small chapel was built to honor St. Joseph. Enlarged several times to accommodate the ever-growing crowds, St. Joseph's Oratory was finally completed in 1967 in the heart of Montreal. Each year, two million people visit there. When Andre Bessette died in 1937, an estimated one million people filed past his coffin. In 2010, Pope Benedict XVI canonized Brother Andre as the first male Canadian-born saint. There's more about the saints along with inspiration and Catholic resources at our website, saintoftheday.org. From Franciscan Media, this has been Saint of the Day. I would always hear from uh, different people at non-Catholic churches that Catholics were going to hell or that they really didn't know who the Lord was. The Catholic Church is not all what people say it is. I mean, it's completely different. There's so many stereotypes. It's very possible to know the Lord and it's very possible to have a relationship with God in the Catholic Church. I believe I was born into the Catholic Church and that's where I belong. If you've been away from the Catholic Church, visit catholicscomehome.org. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, beloved, to Mother Miriam Live. I am Mother Miriam, and I am live, and I am thrilled to be with you on this glorious feast of the Epiphany, Um, the Epiphany of our Lord. Epiphany means revelation. It was the revelation of the Jewish Messiah to the Gentiles, to all the nations of the world. It's a beautiful day. And we are now going to take your texts, your calls, your emails for the next half hour. Feel free to call in. Uh, with anything at all on your heart. I often say the heart of the matter is the matter of your heart. It does not have to be our subject. The toll-free uh, number to call is one eight seven seven five one one five four eight three, or email at mother at thestationofthecross.com. We have an email from John. <clears throat> and John writes, Dear Mother Miriam, how can NFP, which stands for Natural Family Planning, I, I really... Um, don't like that at all. I wish it um, said natural family procreation or any any other such thing, but it's natural family planning. How can that ever be natural, John asks, if it is seeking the secondary end of marriage, independent of the primary end, just like all contraception does? And of course, the primary end of marriage is children. 
John quotes Casti Kenobi number 54, which reads, But no reason, however grave, may be put forward by which anything intrinsically against nature may become conformable to nature and morally good. Absolutely, John. That does not negate um, uh, natural family planning. Um, in fact, the paragraph before that, which is paragraph 53 of Casti Canupi, says, And now, and written by Pius XI, Venerable Brethren, we shall explain in detail the evils opposed to each of the benefits of matrimony. First consideration <clears throat> is due to the offspring, which may have the boldness to call the disagreeable burden of matrimony, and which they say is to be carefully avoided by married people, not through virtuous, virtuous continence, Continence. Let me let me reread that. I'm so sorry. The first consideration is due to the offspring, which many have the boldness to call the disagreeable burden of matrimony, and which they say is to be carefully avoided by married people, not through virtuous continence, which Christian law permits in matrimony when both parties consent, but by frustrating the marriage act. Some justify this criminal abuse on the ground that they are weary of children and wish to gratify their desires without their consent, consequent burden. Others say that they cannot, on the one hand, remain continent, nor on the other can they have children because of the difficulties, whether on the part of the mother or on the part of family circumstances. Virtuous continence is NFP frustrating the marriage act would be contraception and so paragraph four john which you wrote um explains this further no reason however grave as you quoted may be put forward by which anything intrinsically against nature may become conformable to nature and morally good that's absolutely right since therefore the conjugal act conjugal act is destined primarily by nature for the begetting of children those who in exercising it deliberately frustrate its natural power that would be by contraception and a and purpose sin against nature and commit a deed which is shameful and intrinsically vicious. So contraception would be that, would be going against nature and committing a deed which is shamefully and intrinsically vicious and is why Onan was put to death by God in the Old Testament. Paragraph 59, John says, um, uh, nor are those considered as acting against nature See, here's the, here's the answer to number 54. No, nor are those considered as acting against nature who in the married state use their right in the proper manner through on account, although on account of natural reasons, either of time or of certain defects, new life cannot be brought forth. For in matrimony, as well as in the use of the matrimonial rights, there are also secondary ends, such as mutual aid, the cultivating of mutual love, and the quieting of concupiscence, which husband and wife are not forbidden to consider as long as they are subordinated to the primary end and so long as the intrinsic nature of the act is preserved. Natural reasons of time, 
infertile periods or of certain defects after menopause or natural infertility. Um, I can go on reading, but I, I want to get to... Um, uh, let me let me um, let me uh, read one last thought here. NFP natural family planning is not an evil, nor is it sinful. It is God's gift to these times for parents who need a morally good means to help them um, plan their family responsibility. Now, it's not used for planning a family, but it is used. In other words, you, you can not to use NFP for. Um, uh, saving up money to build a house, that kind of thing. No, 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 no. NFP can be misused and abused if there is no compelling reasons for delaying the next presence, pregnancy. Um, uh, but the fault there lies not with NFP, but with the wrong intentions of the couple. So, again, um, when I interviewed Bishop Athanasius Snyder and he spoke about NFP, he said... Um, you will be accountable for every child that you did not have. He's very, very strong. Um, NFP is uh, only to be um, called upon in um, serious circumstances, physical, psychological, um, financial, mental, serious circumstances to delay a child. Financial in tremendous burden, not because you want to save up for a house first. So, um, so John, you've got the, the quote right in the middle of the sandwich where Pope Pius XI does allow for NFP for right reasons. We have an email from someone who writes in anonymously and says, Dear Mother, I desperately need your advice. I have two sons. <clears throat> ages 21 and 23. The 23-year-old graduated from college last year and is back home with us looking for a job. Currently, he has a job, so he is generating money, which is good. My husband and I have been very supportive. We do not ask for a penny. We gave him a car and pay his insurance and phone with the intention that he saves money and is actively looking for a job. We know it takes time to find a job, and we have told him that. We try to encourage him. Um, and you do say, currently he has a job, so he's generating money. Uh, so when he has a job and is ger gen generating money, he should contribute to the house. That's my comment. Um, but um, this woman goes on to say, my husband and I are devout Catholics. Our boys attend Mass when it is convenient for them, which hurts us deeply. I pray devoutly for them and their, converse, and their conversion. They do say they are Catholic and say they love their faith. Well, that's false. If they attend church when it's convenient for them, they do not love their faith. Someone who loves their faith and loves God would not... Um, a deal in mortal sin to miss Mass on Sunday, apart from a grave reason, is mortal sin and separates you from God. Her email goes on to say the 23-year-old recently got into a relationship with a 21-year-old woman. Now, I hope relationship does not mean intimate relationship. The, if he's dating, it's another matter. 
Uh, the problem is that from day one, it has not been good. The woman just got out of a six-year abusive, toxic relationship. She creates some kind of issue every day with him. She gets mad at him for silly things, as if she is a teenager. We have tried to give her the benefit of the doubt, but it's always something which makes it hard. Before meeting her, he, her son, was driven, saving money, etc., and now he seems to be occupied with her and her issues. Apparently, she has anxiety. He, um, over the weekend, he had her over to watch a movie at her home. When my husband and I went upstairs, they started fooling around on our sofa. My husband, my husband heard them from upstairs. He immediately told him to take her home. Mother, this is devastating to us. We did not raise him to be disrespectful. When he got back home, we had a family meeting, and he denied their actions. He said it was just cuddling and kissing and stuff, and not intercourse, and asked why he, had, he can't have his girlfriend over. He said that he is a 23-year-old man. He did nothing wrong. Yes, he did. He did nothing wrong and asked, where else is he supposed to go? I could not hold back my emotions, and I let him have it. I told him that this girl is not right for him, and that we only want the best for him, and that it's been drama since day one, and she's not very defensive, uh, and she's not allowed in our home for disrespecting us in our home. He got very defensive and said that I think I'm perfect and better than everyone, and I'm very judgmental. This hurt me deeply because it's not true. I'm kind to everyone. I try my best to be a devout Catholic and to be holy and to be conservative. I've always been there for our sons. I was a stay-at-home mom. They are our everything and we want the best for both of them. My husband remained calm during the talk. He is able to communicate with him much better than I because I get emotional. He explained to him our concern, and it came across so much better than the way I handle it. Your email is so long, I'm going to stop right here. Um, I'm grateful for your husband being able to speak calmly. Um, you should not let your children have it, because all they were here is your judgmentalism and your views and your emotions, it will not be instructive for them. If you could speak to them calmly and teach them why you believe that anything short of uh, total intimacy is inappropriate, um, you can explain other things, why he should not be at home and not working and not contribute. Or you, if you can teach him these things, which he obviously, uh, you assume he knows and he doesn't, uh, and you allow it to happen, it's one thing. So I would say when that has to happen in the future, let your husband explain to them unless you're able to control your emotions and let your husband be the leader. Um, when you say that... Um, I'm kind to everyone. I try my best to be a devout Catholic. And that has nothing to do with your sons. Um, you say, I've always been there for our sons. But in this case, you have not been because he doesn't have the maturity. And he needed to be taught and dealt with very sternly. Um, I'm, so again, let me see what else she says. Mother, I have so many emotions. I'm angry, hurt, disrespected. Well, your emotions are... Um, your personal response to your son's behavior rather than 
what should be your love for your son in trying to help him get to heaven. Don't take his behavior personally. Uh, He doesn't know he disrespected you. Uh, For you to be angry personally, you're taking it the wrong way and you're not going to be able to help him to mature. She says, I feel I'm a terrible mother. You're, now you're dealing in, in uh, exaggerations. You're not a terrible mother, but you need to learn how to guide your sons better. She says, I'm a terrible mother, unappreciated, and disappointed in myself at the way I handled the situation. After we talked, my son did apologize and we hugged, which is good, I guess. It is good. So it's a learning situation. You need to learn also yourself how to mature in virtue and in the ways that you can truly discipline your son. Um, There's the music for our break, dear one. We'll conclude this as soon as we come back for the break. And anybody else is welcome to call in toll-free, 1-877-511-5483, or email at mother at thestationofthecross.com. We'll be right back. beloved this is mother miriam how would you like to wake up each morning to inspiring sermons from knowledgeable and faith-filled priests you can tune in to sermons for everyday living every day at 6 a.m eastern on the station of the cross you can listen on the station of the or anytime on the free iCatholic radio mobile app god bless you This is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. The book of Esther does not mention the words God, Lord, Savior, sin, salvation, heaven, or hell. Are you sure it should be in the Bible? Well, here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, a promise. Jesus said the Holy Spirit would guide the apostles into all truth. Those early church fathers, popes, bishops, synods, and councils were under the influence of the Holy Spirit. They discerned which writing should or should not be in the Bible. That promise was fulfilled. Secondly, for a writing to be understood as divinely inspired and worthy of canonicity, it did not have to contain any theological explanations. And thirdly, a tough comeback. Oftentimes we deceive ourselves with wanting to trust that very contemporary and subjective term called the inner witness. Our own arrogance blinds us. The emotion of feeling is as dangerous as standing at the edge of a jagged cliff. On a religious feeling, don't evaluate passionate testimonies, promulgated truths, or prophetic texts. That four-letter word, feel, will get you every time. Howdy. This is Adrian Fonseca, producer of the Catholic Drive Time Morning Show on the Station of the Cross Catholic Media Network each weekday morning at 7 a.m. We strive to keep you informed and inspired with insightful guests and a look at the breaking news of the day that you need to know. Join us on the Catholic Drive Time Show every weekday morning at 7 a.m. across the Station of the Cross and the iCatholic Radio app. That's every weekday morning at 7 a.m. I look forward to seeing you there. God love you. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. 
Welcome back, beloved. We are uh, at the end of an email from a woman who's written in anonymously, has a 21, 23-year-old son, and the 23-year-old is at home, and they've let him get a job and work to save money to uh, be able to live on his own without contributing to the house. And um, he's met a girl that um, has uh, quite a number of problems, and it's changed his behavior and his um, response and his understanding of his responsibility. And the mother who writes says, over the weekend, he had her over to watch a movie at her home. And when my husband and I went upstairs, they started fooling around on our sofa. And um, the husband heard and told him to take her home. And 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 the mother, uh, in her words, let him have it and um, kind of blasted him and got very emotional and uh, very personally hurt by the whole thing. Um, and she says, Mother, I have so many emotions. I'm angry, hurt, disrespected. I feel I'm a terrible mother, unappreciated and disappointed at myself at the way I handled the situation. Um, I just finished listening to your podcast from December 9th and it hit home. The devil's trying desperately to break down the family. I feel like I'm being attacked by the evil one. Mother, please help me. I'm heartbroken. Am I wrong? Am I judging? Um, You're wrong and you are judging in the way you handled it, dear one. You're wrong in the way you handled it. It's not wrong to judge, but you're judging the wrong thing. Um... To begin with, you have allowed you and your husband, your 23-year-old son, a graduate from college, to come home to get a job. You gave him a car. You're not requiring any responsibility from him whatsoever. That's poor. Even though he's saving up, he's an adult, and he should be contributing something toward the house. Um, And you say that he met this girl and it's changed all of that. She's giving him lots of problems because she comes from a a very difficult background and his life is wrapped up in her. He invited her over to watch a movie and when you and your husband went to sleep, you left them watching the movie and then they started fooling around on the couch. You should never have left them in the house. No woman has any proper place in a man's home, period, period whether you're there or not. Um, a dating woman should not go into where a man lives. If the parents are there and she's with the family, that's fine. But if you and your husband are going to sleep, it's time for her to leave before you go upstairs. She needs to leave. If they're both going to be on the couch and you're going upstairs and your, your son has already acted unwisely in dating this woman and showed his immaturity and lack of responsibility, you kind of set that scene up for them. So for you to blast him and all of that um, is kind of contrary and and would shock him. You need to be able to uh, garner your emotions and to care more for him than how the situation affects you. Um, So you can teach him and instruct him as you say your husband is able to do. If you say um, you feel like you're a terrible mother, unappreciated and disappointed, Uh, you're focused on yourself, which is not helpful to you or to your son, to your marriage or to the family. Um, Because you fail in a situation does not make you a terrible mother. It means you have a learning situation, how to handle a mature son. 
And um, when you say the devil is trying desperately to break down the family, you got that right. As Our Lady told to uh, Sister Lucia, uh, the seer at Fatima, that the final battle will be against uh, marriage and the family. That's absolutely right. The devil wants no family and will grab at any chink in the armor to bring it down but when you say I feel like I'm being attacked by the evil one I don't know that by your email it, it sounds that you're you have to learn to control your emotions and mature in virtue in order to not take things as personally as you do and be able to help your son rather than to scream at him and and um, uh, come at him the way you did um, Apparently, you can learn also from your husband how that could be better. So you say, thank you, Mother, for all you do and for speaking the truth. Sometimes that, that involves some harsh things, which I know I'm saying to you now. But um, go before God, go before Our Lady, and ask her to give you the virtue of true love, which is focused on the other, not on yourself, um, and wisdom. Um, and now how to deal with your son who is should be more mature than he is, um, who has not yet learned or he has not been told proper respect because if you left the woman in the house when you and your husband went to bed, he has not been taught that he shouldn't be alone with a woman in the house. So you and your husband have to teach him those things, not scream at him, yell at him, turn him away, but say, we failed in instructing you in these things, let us tell you now. And it's not what we want, what we prefer, it's what God wants, to live your faith. We have an email from a Facebook comment from Philip, who says, I have a question regarding canon law and following our implementing canon law regarding if a spouse wants to separate. I understand there is a canon law that would require that spouse to go to the bishop to review the situation and see if there are any grave reasons or any justifiable reasons for separation. Could you provide any thoughts on that? And secondly, secondly, is it followed or practiced in the U.S.? Well, if it's canon law, it, it should be the law of the church. I'm not familiar uh, it doesn't mean it's not there, Philip. I'm not familiar with canon law that says um, in order to separate, um, it would require that a spouse go to the, a bishop to review the situation. Um, uh, uh, if, if two people want to get married and they claim to be Catholic, or one claims to be Catholic, and they want to get married outside the church, then they need to go to the bishop if they wish to get a dispensation and truly be uh, married in the church. I, I'm not sure about this separation situation, but there are, um, I quickly looked at Catholic Answers, catholic.com, and that there, there are eight, is a little article, eight things you have to know about the church's teaching on divorce. And of course, separation is always allowed. Separation is not divorce or anything else. It just means that you've moved out of the house. And if one spouse is being abused, that's what to do. If you have an alcoholic who is abusing you, um, abusing the children, a very dire situation, it is not wrong to separate. In fact, it is wrong to not separate and let the children, uh, to have children come under that danger. 
uh, but to separate is to leave the house and live elsewhere. So on divorce, divorce understood as the dissolution of a marriage is not possible between two baptized persons. It's not possible. People get divorced civilly by civil law, so their marriage is not uh, no longer exists according to the state, but has nothing to do with God. God will not divorce anyone. What God will do is determine through the church, through the marriage tribunal, through bishops and such, whether the marriage ever took place. An annulment is not a Catholic divorce. If an annulment is approved, what happens is that you're issued a degree of nullity, which means the marriage is null and void because it never, ever took place. One spouse might have been uh, having no intention to keep the marriage vows, no intention to raise the children Catholic, no intention to follow the church's pro-life laws, contraception and all of that, no intention of that, may have been, had a mental um, uh, situation, it, all, psychology, all kinds of things. So the church goes back to the instance when the marriage took place, not necessarily what you've lived through all these years, that's secondary, but when the marriage happened and there were witnesses, were, was it a valid marriage under the right circumstances? And if it was, you're married and you can never be divorced, nothing will take place. If it wasn't, you can't be divorced because the marriage never took place and you're issued a degree of nullity to say you can marry now. We'll speak with you tomorrow.